Well, I hope you enjoyed that. But you know, that video is probably truer than some of us want to admit, isn't it? <laughs> but I was thinking when I was watching that video in, in relation to what I want to share this morning, you know something that's truer than true? Is that we live in a consumer culture today where people are kind of looking for the perfect church for themselves. But in the midst of all of that, God is looking for a church. God is a church hunter. And in fact, the word says in Second Chronicles that the eye of the Lord is just going throughout the earth looking for a people among whom he can show himself strong. That's what the Lord is looking for. And so we live in a day today where we're looking for programs that kind of cater to our needs. But I believe God is looking for a people who care enough to actually be doing what needs to be done and what God wants to do. And that's what I want to talk to us about this morning. I was thinking about a, a couple of friends I have, a husband and a wife, and uh, they're what you might call a large couple. <clears throat> they're not necessarily overweight or unhealthy. Uh, they're what my mother would call big-boned. They're, they're both about six feet tall. They're, you know, strong. I mean, she could probably take me. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're just strong people. But they also have big kids. Uh, their kids are just as big as them and bigger. In fact, uh, one of their kids, their son, when he was 13 years of age, he was six foot four. And uh, he had contracted a staph infection in his leg, and so he had to go to the hospital in Halifax. And because he is 13, they, of course, check him into the IWK. And so we go up to see him, and here he is laying in the bed, all six foot four of him, and his knees, from his knees down, are just dangling over the bed, because that's how big he was. And, uh, you know, I, I, I thought I'd love to have been there when he first walked into the hospital. I mean, can you imagine the faces of the kids, these little kids, maybe sharing his room, and they just see this giant of a 13-year-old walking in? Uh, but, you know, if they saw the parents, or when they saw the parents, they probably would have realized it wasn't so strange after all. What would have been strange is if those two big parents had this tiny, scrawny little kid. That probably would have been strange. But when they see the parents and they see the child standing beside the parents, then I'm sure it kind of made sense. And that's what I really want to talk about this morning. And we, we, we sang about it a little bit earlier. And, and Pastor Kristen, I mentioned a different song, but I'd love to, to finish the service with that, with that song again this morning. But I want to talk this morning for a few minutes about the strength of God. I want to talk about the fact that our God is strong. Our God, He really is mighty. Uh, our God is powerful. And, uh, you know, when you really think about that, we have this amazing God, but I don't really think we understand how great He is. I don't think a lot of times we really focus on that attribute of God's power and God's strength. And the reason I say this is because, and I say this in kindness, and we can all be this way sometimes, but really when you look at the church, especially in North America, our churches are full of weak people. Spiritually weak people. Uh, people that are intimidated. People that are scared. People that I think don't really realize who they are. In fact, when I think of the word powerful, it's probably not a word a lot of people use to describe Christians today. Or people who profess to believe in this, in this great God. And maybe part of the reason is because we don't really focus on that attribute anymore. We kind of tend to focus in our culture on a God who, who is loving and who will meet our needs, who will take care of us, kind of in that context. But we don't really take a lot of time to think about how great God is. How incredibly awesome and powerful and strong our God is. And because of that, I think a lot of times we just grow increasingly weak Ourself. And yet the fact of the matter is, when we begin to think about the strength of God, the power of God, 
I believe that we begin to become more courageous and stronger ourselves and begin to do the things that God wants us to do. Now, for those of us who were raised in the church, do you remember some of the, some of the Bible stories we were raised on? Remember those stories? I mean, I can remember as a child, one of the highlights of my week, honestly, was when my mom would have a bit of time in the night and she would call the kids over, my brother, sister, and I, and we'd sit on the couch and she had a Bible storybook. And she would just read different Bible stories and then at the end she would ask us questions to make sure that we're paying attention. I always loved that part because I always got all the answers right. But I just love listening to those stories. I mean, remember the st- I mean, we all know them well, right? The story of David and Goliath. I mean, here as a child, you listen to the story of this young man whom you kind of envision as just being your age or your size, and he's going up against this nine-foot giant. And this nine-foot giant is just, you know, hurling these insults at him. And I just loved David's response. And I remember even as a child of David just looking at this giant and saying, you know, you come at me with sword and your spear and your javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, whom you have defied. And this day, he's going to give me your head. And then he just drops that giant with one stone. What an incredible story for a kid growing up. I remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? You remember the, remember the names we used, to, we used to call them, my shack, your shack, and a bungalow when you were a kid? But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we have these three young men once again who, because they will not bow down and worship this statue, worship this human being, this king who seemed to yield all, wield all the power of his day, terrified everybody. But they said to the king, they said, we will not bow down to you, O king. You need to know this. You're going to have to throw us into the fiery furnace. But even if you do, God can deliver us. But if God doesn't deliver us, we want you to know we're not going to bow down and worship you. And we know the story. They get thrown into the fiery furnace, and we know it was Jesus who appeared in in that furnace, and he brought them out without even the scent of smell upon upon them, and the ropes were, were broken. And they did that because they absolutely believed in a powerful God. I know this noise going up there. Just listen to this noise, okay? And then we have the story of Elijah. Remember the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel? And there's hundreds of these prophets of Baal. They're just basically demon-possessed Satan worshipers. And they have this competition with Elijah, one man against hundreds. And so the challenge is whoever's God answers by fire and consumes the sacrifice, that's the God the nation is going to serve. So he lets the prophets of Baal go first. And they're dancing around, and eventually they're getting desperate, and they're screaming, and they're cutting themselves. And the whole time, Elijah's just standing back like this. Because he knows what his God's going to do. And then when they're all finished, they're wailing, going on for hours and hours and hours. When everything is ready in the sacrifice, what does Elijah do? He just prays a short little prayer. And all of a sudden, he shows everybody the power of God. Final story, Joshua and Caleb. Remember them? In fact, if you're, if you're doing our Bible reading plan, you would have read about them about a month ago. Uh, Joshua and Caleb, they're two of 12 men, a group of 12 spies that Moses, once they've come out of Egypt and they're just ready to go into this land that God has promised in the land of Canaan, Moses sends in 12 spies. And he says, I want you to go in and I want you to check out the land. I want you to come back with a report of not only what is there, but what you think is the best way for us to go in and to destroy these people and to take the land God has promised us. So off the 12 go. Well, they see these men and women who were just like giants in the land. I mean, everything is just like God had promised by way of provision, but I mean, the obstacles in front of them just seem to be insurmountable, at least at 10 of the 12. The other two, Joshua and Caleb, they said, what are you guys talking about? 
Because the spies come back with a report and they say to the camp, they say to everybody else in Israel, we can't go in there. We don't have a chance against them. And Joshua and Caleb are saying, no, 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 no. Don't forget what God did for us. All the miracles we saw, I mean, he brought us this far. We can do it. God is on our side. But unfortunately, the nation, they believe the ten rather than the two. They go with the cowards rather than the heroes. And Joshua and Caleb, they have to sit out for 40 years. They don't get to go in until all that generation God wipes out. They all die of old age, and God has a new generation. And yet, when you look at Joshua and Caleb, they are distinguished time and time again in the Word of God because of their faith and because of the power of God in their lives. And the thing I love about Caleb if you know the story. Here they are now, 45 years later. That whole unbelieving generation has passed away. Now he's 85 years old. And Caleb is standing there with this new army ready to go into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. This is what Caleb says in Joshua 14, verse 11. He says, here I am, 85 years old. And I love this line. I am still as strong today as I was the day that Moses sent me out. And not only that, I am just as ready today to fight now as I was then. So give me the mountain country the Lord promised me on that day. Here's an 85-year-old man who says, I'm going to do the same thing for God today that I was going to do 45 years ago because I've never stopped believing in my God. I've never stopped being convinced that God was able to do it then. I knew he could have done it then if we had obeyed him, and I know he can do it now. My faith has never changed. And when I read that story, I say, Lord, I just wonder, how many 85-year-olds do we have in the body of Christ who think that way today? How many do we have? I'm so grateful for my, my family, for my, my in-laws who are here this morning. One of the things I so appreciate with Pastor and Mrs. Penny is they're the same. They're not 85. My mother-in-law will never be 85. She'll never admit it. But they have a passion that still burns in their hearts, and we are so blessed. And I know there's a few of you out there, but we are so blessed as a family. My, my sons are so blessed to have grandparents in whom they can see a living faith. It doesn't get old. It doesn't wane. It doesn't get cantankerous. It doesn't complain. It just continues to believe God. Even in seasons where it may seem like a whole lot is not happening or things of old are not happening, there's still a faith that God hasn't changed. God can do it again. God will do it again. But I ask myself, how many 85-year-olds do we have in the body of Christ? How many 65-year-olds believe that God can do it? How many freedom 55-year-olds? How many 40-year-olds today in the culture in which we live today honestly believe that their God is a God who is powerful, who honestly have strength and courage. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1. He said, I remind you, keep using the gift that God gave you when I laid hands on you. Let it grow as a small flame grows into a fire. For God did not give us a spirit that makes us afraid, but he gave us a spirit of power and of love and of self-control. Another translation, we all know it well, say it with me. God did not give us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what our God has given to us. He has given us a spirit that is, uh, that, that is not afraid, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-control. Now, some of you know here this morning, I'm a little bit of a revelation buff. I, I don't pretend to have all the answers. 
But I honestly believe that we are living in a day where this generation, my generation, may very likely see the return of Jesus Christ. If not, at least we will probably live through many of the events who are, that will lead up to the return of Christ. And if it's not my generation, I'm convinced that it will be the generation of my children and of their children. The Bible says it's going to be a time of unprecedented, I believe, unprecedented persecution such as the church has never seen since its inception. But it's also going to be a time of an unprecedented visitation of God's Spirit and power that I believe the church has probably not experienced even since the early church began and probably even greater than what we saw take place on the day of Pentecost. But that's why I believe that when Jesus speaks about these last days in which we are live, living and these things that are coming, Jesus always follows that with a warning. And his warning is, stay alert. His warning is, don't fall asleep. Listen to me, friends. His warning is, do not allow yourself to be seduced by a culture that is enticing you today, and it's going to turn on you tomorrow. It is seducing you today. It will attack you tomorrow. You've got to understand, I'm not talking about people. God loves people, and he thrusts us out into the midst of the people to, to share the love of Christ and to see lives transformed. But there is a spirit, there is a culture that is at work today that will try to get you tied up in every kind of goal, every kind of ambition, every kind of thrill, every kind of novelty just to add some enjoyment to your life. And Jesus says, listen, there's a kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand. You want to be involved in something exciting, Know your God. Know who your God is and allow your God to use you in the day in which you're living. You want a high, you won't experience anything higher than what God can do in and through you by his life and his presence and his word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says when that culture turns on you, he prophesied many in the body will fall away. But he also said many will stand strong. They won't take the mark, they, they will follow Christ even to death if need be. But what's even more beautiful is that the world around the culture in which they live, they will actually begin to see a people of God who have power and serve a God who is powerful. As Jesus said in Revelation 21, he said, to all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my people. Another translation, they will be my children. Then he goes on to say this, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Now I want you to think of that. When the Lord makes the list of all the people who are not his children, of all the people who will not enter into or participate in the reality of the kingdom of God, the top of the list, he says, are those who are cowards. Think about that. Cowards. I mean, when I read that, I wrestle with that because I can just think of so many times when I feel like, man, I'm such a coward. You ever feel that way? Like, I can just think of so many times where I'm just intimidated. Or I'm, I'm scared, you know? I, I just think of those times when I know God wants me to say something, and I just don't say it. God wants me to step out of my comfort and do something, and I just, I just don't do it. I, I had a, a last week when we were uh, 
down with some friends uh, shopping. Uh, I hate to call it shopping. We were in Martins for four hours. Can I just get that off my chest? I just have to bring that up. Who in the world shops at Martins for four? I said, we're in the Value Village for four hours. Anyway, I, I, was, I thought I was actually over that. I'm, okay. <laughs> Any case, but we went to Freeport. And uh, you know where real stores are? Spent about an hour and a half. So I'm sitting there at Dairy Queen. And, and across from me at a table, there's a man with his family, a wife and two sons. And he's got this this long leg brace, and I just felt in my heart, pray for him. Just go over and start a conversation. Just pray for him and just see what God will do. And I sat there with my ice cream, and good thing I had a large ice cream, because I just, I was just kind of eating my ice cream. And I got to be honest, you know, because I felt, I didn't feel like I had to. I just felt prompted. I just felt, I'm just there. Here's what's going on. Here's an opportunity, whatever the Lord has in store. And I'm just kind of eating my ice cream. But I'm thinking, I can't think of how to start the conversation. I can't think of how to, you know, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm thinking, you know, they get the whole family there. And so God has a sense of humor, and eventually the family leaves, and it's just the man. And I'm thinking, but I still don't know what to say. I don't, how do I go up to the stranger and, you know, offer to pray for him? And uh, anyway, so finally he gets up, his family gets back. He gets up, and he walk, and I can see the back of his T-shirt. He has one of those um, Wounded Warrior T-shirts. You know, you support the organization, I guess, to give you a t-shirt, and it would have been a wonderful opportunity if I had seen that before, I could have said, hey, man, I see your t-shirt, you know, did you serve or whatever, hey, what happened, how's your knee, you know, great little segue there, by the time I had it all figured out, he was gone, and I felt like such a coward, I felt like such a failure, not because I felt pressure from anybody else, but I just felt a prompt in my heart, just, just talk to the guy, just minister to the guy, and I let that, in, in fact, he was only walking like this fast. And before I knew it, he was around the corner, so when I saw the T-shirt and I figured out how I'm going to broach the conversation, I actually kind of ran in that direction, and they were gone. So I don't know if it's one of those angels unaware, because I don't know where he got the speed. He was just gone when he got around the corner. But I just really wrestled with that sense of, Lord, I, I, forgive me for just being a coward, for being afraid, you know? Uh, there's other times when I read his word. You probably had this happen, too. And you just have your quiet time with the Lord, and, and a scripture just kind of jumps off the page, and you're kind of excited by it, you're convicted by it, maybe motivated, and you're just determined, okay, here's what I'm going to do. But then when the time comes to do it, I just talk myself out of it. You know, or I let somebody else talk me out of it. But then I look into this, this uh, passage here in Revelation, and I see that in no uncertain terms, Jesus makes a distinction between those who are victorious and those who are cowards. And it seems when you read the Scripture that those who are strong are strong because they know their God is strong. They know He is strong. And those who cower, they cower because they really don't know how powerful their God is. You know, so often we're afraid. And it really doesn't make sense. It's kind of like that large couple I told you about, my friends. I mean, if they had this strong little kid, it, it wouldn't make sense. You know, it, it doesn't go together. It just wouldn't look right. And when you read the Bible, you see that those people who were victorious, it wasn't easy for them either. I mean, they had their own questions. They had their own fears. But it just seemed like they pushed those fears aside and they stepped out because in their heart, they knew who their God was. They knew he was powerful. It was those who didn't have the spirit of God that were actually the cowards. And so my, my question for us this morning is a simple one, and it's just this. Do people see you as powerful? 
Think about that for a moment. Do people who know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, do they look at you as powerful? Is that the adjective they use to describe your faith? Now, you don't have to be a type A personality. You don't have to be somebody who's out in the limelight. You don't have to be the person who's, you know, always making the noise, always leading the conversation. You may be quiet by nature. You may even do ministry in relative obscurity. But the question is, the people who know you and know that you profess the faith in Christ, do they see in you a confidence in God because you are just so sure of who he is and you're so sure of what he's able to do? And it doesn't mean that things always work out your way but you're willing to step out and just leave things with the Lord and just do what he prompts you to do. You know, it's not only as a pastor, but even as a believer for some 45 years, I get concerned nowadays in the body of Christ because we have so many people in our churches throughout our city who profess to be Christians, may very well be, who profess to be born again, who profess that the Spirit of God lives within them. And by the way, this is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, right? Who lives in you? And if the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He will make you come alive too. That's what the promise is. And so we have a lot of people who profess that, and not only profess that, but today we have every possible Christian uh, resource at our fingertips and yet time and again I still hear people say well I just don't know if I have the courage to talk to somebody about Jesus I don't know if I really have the courage to you know I just feel that prompted but I don't know if I really have the courage to step out there I mean we have we have people in our churches today who've been Christians for decades and yet still lack any confidence whatsoever to be able to mentor somebody who's new in the faith can you imagine that? Knowing Jesus for decades and, and still saying, well, I don't know if there's anybody I could turn to and say, as I follow Jesus, you follow me, and you'll, you'll begin to catch on. And Jesus says that kind of ought to be the norm. Now, we have Christian couples who've been married for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and, and they still think in their mind, well, I don't know if I have a whole lot to teach another couple. Whether they're new to the faith or whether they're newly married, I don't know if we really have a whole lot. But listen, you've got 20, 30, 40, 50 years experience of having Christ in your home, of having Jesus in your life. You've got all those years of experience of the Holy Spirit being present in your life, and you're still thinking, I don't know if that's enough. My question is, does that make any sense? Does it make any sense that I'm so scared, that I'm so easily intimidated? And I can certainly relate. I just shared my story because I can get that way too. But I find the crazy thing is this. It's almost like the longer I'm in church, the more intimidated I get. Does that make sense? You know, you come to the Lord, it's all real, it's all new, and where do I go? You know, and you got some dear, well-meaning saint, well, you got to take it easy. You got to have some balance. You can't be too fanatical, you know. And it just seems like the longer we're kind of in the church setting the more complacent we get, the more scared we get. And sometimes because we just look at other people and we think they're so much more outgoing, they're, they're so much more talented. But you know what? If you talk to those people who are doing ministry, people with testimonies, people the Lord is using, they'll tell you the same thing. They'll say, I have the same fear as you do. I, I feel the same intimidation. I got to work through the same things, push through the same things in order to do what God is asking me to do. I just want to suggest this morning that maybe that rather than looking at each other, 
We need to start looking again at who God is. We really do have to begin to kind of just be captivated by who our God is. I begin to understand again how, how great he really is, how strong he is. We need to begin to really understand what it means for God to live inside of me and for God to want to show people around me that he is, in fact, powerful. I think we need to begin to think that way again. We need to begin to understand who God is, who we serve, the fact that he lives in us, and maybe some things ought to be happening around me or through me that I'm not seeing right now. I think we need to remember the words of Jeremiah. We used to sing the scriptures, a song many years ago, and the song, the verse goes like this. It just says, ah, Lord God, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing. God, if you did all of that, this is no big deal. Nothing's too difficult for you. You need to think about that. Last week, uh, week before last, actually, as many of you know, Pastor Ben and, and Kristen and I had the opportunity to uh, join about another 10, 12 guys from the United, around the States and the UK at a, at a workshop that was hosted by uh, Pete Cabrera. You're probably not familiar with Pete Cabrera. We're just going to show a little clip here in a moment. But Pete's kind of an interesting guy, just an ordinary guy. But uh, he grew up in a life of crime. He, his, his father died when he was very young, and he was a handful for his mother. And so he got into drugs, he got into crime and violence, all those things. And uh, he lived that way for many years. And, and then eventually he just kind of came to the end of himself. But he had a praying mother. Moms, I want to encourage you, don't stop praying. There is power in the prayers of a mother. And he had a praying mother, and he just called her one day. He said, Mom, at the end of things, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I'm just so tired of this. I'm sick of this. And, and she prayed with him, and she led him to the Lord, and, and uh, he decided he's going to check himself into some rehab, some detox. And so he went through the program, and he ended up in a mainline church where he started to grow a little bit. But, uh, but Pete just had this thing in his heart, feeling like there's more, to, there's more than this. There's more than just kind of the church thing I'm doing, going to church. In fact, he was in the church that didn't believe that miracles were really for today. They had a very strong emphasis on God's word. You just need the word of God. You just need scriptures. But a lot of that other stuff, that was for the apostles, not for today. And Pete was absolutely convinced that if God is mighty uh, in the lives of his people, then his people ought to be mighty too. That was kind of his, his, his belief. He really believed that if the early church needed the power of God demonstrated in their midst, then how much more we who live in these last days need the power of God demonstrated. Do we really believe that? Do we understand? Because see, one of the things you understand if you, if you read the scripture in the last days, the days we are moving into before Jesus comes, they're going to be very similar to the days of the Roman Empire. They're going to be very similar to the same paganism, the same hedonism, the same darkness, the same perversion, the same cruelty, the same blindness, all the, the, the madness of that culture. That is basically going to, I believe, permeate the culture in which we live that we'll see the return of Jesus Christ. But just as the church thrived and grew and actually turned that empire upside down, in these last days, the same God, the same Holy Spirit is available to his people to do the same things and even greater the church saw in those early days. In any case, Peter had been suffering for a period of time with uh, some chronic back pain, debilitating pain, and one day he had me visit another church. It was a church that actually believed in the supernatural, and so he came forward for prayer, his back, he just couldn't do much, it was excruciating, and they laid hands on him, and the Lord just took the pain away, healed his back, and it just so floored him 
that he just went a few steps further, knelt down to the altar, and he said, I just stayed there because I was afraid if I get up, it's going to hurt again. It felt so good, and it just so blew me away, I didn't want this to leave, so I just stayed there. In fact, he said, when I got up, the church was empty. Service was over, everybody had gone. But that changed his life forever because from that day on, again, Pete was convinced that if God still does that, he ought to be doing that not only to us, but through us. That ought to be norm in the body of Christ. If we really believe our God is a miracle-working God, we ought to be the first candidates to say, God, do it through me. Lord, grow me, teach me, show me, but Lord, work through me. I want to see the works of God through my life. I think that's pretty good theology. Well, there's still a whole lot of stuff we're processing from the workshop, but, but we also had a couple days uh, to kind of put it into practice and to do some ministry in the streets and in the mall and, and down around the restaurants and so on. I want to show you a little, a little video clip, and hopefully the audio is uh, nice and clear so you can see what's going on. But uh, this is a video clip, a couple minutes, from one particular evening we were doing ministry. We were in Wichita, we were downtown, uh, we were at a restaurant, a sports restaurant, and uh, eventually uh, a team of about 25 young men, uh, baseball players, they come into the restaurant, they go inside, they sit down, and so some time has gone, I think they had, had a bite to eat, uh, and some of us were still outside ministering, but Pete went and took two or three of the guys, uh, the, the last guy who's praying with them, you'll see his He's from the UK. His name is Pete as well. But uh, he took a few guys in. He said, I want to show you something neat. So he walks in, and uh, this, is what, this is what unfolded. I'm going to grab a napkin. Sorry, guys. I'm going to grab this real quick. So, hey, guys. Are you guys in the baseball team? Yeah. Yeah? Here, let me turn around real quick. Huh. Oh, that's tight. Are you the coach? You the coach? Hey, do any of you guys have pain in your body? Shoulder, knee, back, it could be anything. Nobody? Yeah, but who's got the worst pain right now? Where's he at? It's our catcher, but it's not here. Okay, who has pain right now? Physical pain that you can feel? Anybody? I feel pretty good. No? All right, going once. Do you have pain? Yeah, no, I'm being serious, bro. We got guys here that travel the world to get rid of that stuff. Anybody? Okay. Where do you have it at? Okay, watch this. Hey, check this out. It's blowing. Okay, give it to me. Yeah, watch this, bro. Just be totally honest. Yeah, just get it. Just hold it. Just hold it for like three seconds. Move your shoulder. Move your shoulder. <laughs> Still hurt? No, it's good. Yeah, see? No joke. I was playing. I wasn't joking. Yo, now you got pain now? Right here, hold up. Is it your knee? Yeah, my right knee. Okay, his right knee. Okay, hold up. Here he is. blowing it. No, 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 here. You blow it and go get it to him. Okay, get it to him. Yeah, watch this. Just hold it. Just be totally honest. Move your knee. Move your knee. Let me get some 
Is it gone? Be honest. Is it gone? Yeah, it's gone. Okay. No joke. This guy has. Oh, now now everybody has pain, huh? He has torn ACL. He has Tommy John. Is it it hurt right now? Yeah. Okay. Grab that napkin. Grab that napkin. Okay. Blow on it. Now don't lie. Be totally honest. Just hold it. No, 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 just hold it. Just hold it. Oh, hell no. Let's go. Are you serious? It feels good. I'm not even joking. Anybody else? Yeah. Hey, guys, look. These guys are evangelists that travel the world in the name of Jesus, and they take pain from everybody. That's what they do. That's why the pain left. That's why the pain left there, the pain left there, and the pain left there. And you can't deny it because the pain's gone. Right? Now, the ones that have the pain gone, you can lay hands on them, the ones who have pain, and they'll leave right now. Go put your hand on them. No joke. Go put your hand on them. Who has pain? Everybody, put your hands on your shoulders. Put your hands on your shoulders. Look, put your hands. Hey, put your hands on your shoulders. Everybody, put your hands on the shoulders. Should everybody be connected, right? Right. Yeah, lead them in prayer, bro. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, it, when, 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 when you walk in the kingdom of God, the kingdom comes with you. Wherever you go, the kingdom comes with you. Wherever you go, you can go anywhere and, and the Lord will back you up. You can go into a club filled with people and lay hands on them and the pain will leave. Bam, 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 bam. Right? So it's not the napkin, okay? It's the presence of the living God. We bring the presence. We are the presence of the living God. We are the presence of the Holy Ghost. We bring the presence everywhere we go, and it's undeniable. The first guy was kind of laughing, like, oh, this is a joke. And then the pain left, and then the other guy's like, oh, I don't believe it. Then he said he had pain, and then the pain left. And then the other guy said he had pain. See, all the hands started going up, and it was a whole table of like 30, 30 kids, man, and God was faithful, man. So if you can do it for me, he can do it for you. I just can't help but wonder what would happen in the city of Moncton if some 10,000 people who profess to be followers of Jesus Christ actually began to believe that our God is mighty, that our God is great. Amen? Actually began to believe as Jesus said that the kingdom is here, that the kingdom is among us. 1 John 3 and 1, John writes, Consider the incredible love the Father has shown us in allowing us to be called children of God. And I love this next line. He says, that's not just what we're called. That is what we are. Do you hear me? That is what we are. He goes on to say in verse 2, Oh, dear children of mine, have you realized it? Here and now we are God's children. We don't know what shall become in the future. We only know that if reality were to break through, we should reflect his likeness, for we should see him as he really is. I mean, John understands in the natural how difficult it is for us to grasp that we are actually the people in whom God lives. But he says, on that day when we, when we finally see Jesus, 
It's like we're going to really realize what it means for Jesus to have actually lived within us. To be known as the children of God. And imagine some of the things that He might have done through us if we really understood who He is. If we really understood who we are. That we are children of God. It's not just what we are called. It's what we are. If you're a child of God, you know what? Perfect cue. If you're a child of God, hear me, men, then you are a man of God. Do you hear me? If you're a child of God, sister, you are a woman of God. That's who you are. That's not for the chosen few. That's not for somebody who's been to seminary. That's, whatever you may have in your mind, if you are a child of God, in the eyes of God, you are a man of God. You are a woman of God. The Bible says we are all saints. We are all sons and daughters of God. And we just have to get it out of our heads that just because we live in this realm, that we're of this realm. Because we're not. The Bible says that we are of God. And our citizenship is in heaven. That's what we carry with us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. In fact, He lives in us in such a real way. Do you realize... This, this sounds crazy, but it kind of came to my mind. Do you realize that He so lives in us that He actually kind of leaks through us? He does. You may think, but Pastor, that sounds strange. No, I'll prove it to you. Why is it people sometimes feel uncomfortable when you walk in the room? Why is it around the office sometimes the conversation changes when you show up? You don't have to say anything. You're just being who you are. But all of a sudden, you walk in and there's a presence in the room. It's not just you, but it's the Jesus you carry. It's who's with you. That's why a person in your workplace, oftentimes, you may see them mock you. You may see them around the water cooler gossiping. You may see them acknowledge and agree with everything everybody says, even though their whole philosophy is wrong. But when they hit a wall, when they have trouble, when they have difficulty, when they're going through stress in their marriage, what do they do? Most times they look for you. They try to catch you in a quiet place. They want to talk to you because there's something in you that's different. There's something leaking through you. And that's why there's even times when people are healed or they just have this sense of peace that comes over them just by being close to you. If you know Jesus Christ and His Spirit lives in you, the Bible says you are a child of God. In fact, we know this term, Abba, but you realize that God is actually your dad? Isn't that amazing? God's my dad. <laughs> we say that with me? God is my dad. No, he really is, isn't he? He's Abba Father. He's my dad. There's that closeness, that intimacy, there's that, that DNA that is in us. And I believe what that means is that as you move about your day, you're not just a nice person. You are actually a representative of the kingdom of God. And you have full authority to bring His power to bear on whoever He leads you to, whatever situation you come across. He says, wherever you are, you're just bringing the kingdom there. And it doesn't mean that things always go your way, but it does mean when the Holy Spirit lights upon your heart, when He prompts you to do something, to say something, to, to act in some kind of way, however simple or ever how much faith it may seem to require, He says if you'll just step out, you need to remember you serve a God who is strong. 
and who is strong on your behalf. And he's looking everywhere to find people through whom he can show himself strong. That's what that means. But it also means that you're going to look pretty stupid sometimes. Sorry. If you're trying to be a Christian who's always the coolest person in the group, that everybody always likes and everybody, you know, you're just part of the, it's probably not going to happen. You know, as cool as I am, there's places where I just don't fit in. That was a joke. But we want that because we think that we need to be relevant. You know? We need to talk the right way. We, you know, we just need to be relevant. We need to be accepted by people. That's, that's really, you know, being a good Christian. Friends, a lot of times you're not going to come across as relevant. I mean, you talk to somebody about Jesus and the fact that he died for them, there's a whole lot of people, they're just going to reject that. I, I mean, we know it's the truth and that's what we share, but the fact is people reject it because they think you're crazy. But never forget, one day, that Jesus that you're living for, that Jesus that you're talking about, one day, he's coming back. One day, you're going to be able to say, when he splits the clouds, that's who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually on his side. He's on my side. That's who I serve. And we have to understand that today, that that's the God that I serve. And that ought to give me courage as a son or daughter of God because he's put his spirit in me. I want to close with a scripture from Joshua. God is speaking to Joshua. The context is for today as well. But the Lord says this. He says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions I gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Time and again, God says, be strong. Be courageous. Be strong. Be courageous. Be strong. Be very courageous. Don't be afraid. One thing that should mark us as the people of God is that we should not be afraid because the Spirit of God lives in us right now. You know what I'm looking forward to? I'm looking forward to the day when we as the people of God become so convinced of who Jesus is, so convinced of what it really means for God Almighty to live in us by His Spirit, that when I'm going through a struggle or I'm going through a difficult time, as sincere as we are, that you know, rather than having a dear brother or sister come up to me and put their arm around and say, no, no, pastor, don't, don't be discouraged. You know, keep your chin up. It'll be okay. You'll get through this. We mean well. We do that. But you know what I'm longing for? I'm longing for the day when we're going through difficulties, we're going through a valley, we're going through struggles, that a brother or sister comes and puts their arms around me and says, Pastor, I know you're going through a difficult time right now, but don't forget, you're a child of God. Don't forget, the Spirit of God lives inside of you. Don't forget, greater is He that is in you. And I know what you're going through right now is real. I know it's real. But be strong. Be courageous. Stand for the Lord. He's faithful. I look forward to that. But I don't know if we say that a whole lot nowadays. And one of the reasons may be is because we're probably not convinced ourselves just who our God is and how great He is and how faithful, how tender and compassionate, but also how mighty, how strong He is. 
You know, the early church, they experienced difficulty after difficulty, some things that we cannot imagine in our Western culture. But the beautiful thing is they didn't shrink back. What did they do? They just prayed for boldness. And you know what? The Lord answered their prayer. The Holy Spirit came and filled them afresh, and they were bold, and they went back out and continued the mission. I think we as the body of Christ need to start getting together and lay hands on one another and pray for boldness and remind each other that we're sons and daughters of God. That's not just what we're called. That's what we are. You know, we re- I know it's crazy, isn't it? Imagine coming to church and hearing you're a child of God. But, you know, stranger things have happened. We are sons and daughters of God. What does that mean? We're going to look foolish in the eyes of some people for a while, but we need to encourage each other not to shrink back, not to be cowards. Because you know what if we do just maybe? Wouldn't it be wonderful if the Christians in Moncton actually began to get a reputation for being strong. Actually began to have a reputation for being courageous. Actually began to have a reputation of encountering the same problems that people in the workforce face, same challenges, but they act different. They respond different. They don't just automatically default to the way that everybody else who doesn't know God does. They just respond differently, and and their God actually comes through. And people actually begin to see that those who name the name of Jesus that their God does some great things through them, things that he's prepared long, long ago for them to do. I'm going to ask the worship team to join me. But wouldn't it be wonderful if our reputation in the city was a gathering of people who know their God and through whom their God is strong, through whom their God is powerful? Wouldn't that be exciting? Is it 12 already? Because you're kind of checked out. I got quarter to 12. Like, you should be wide awake. You should be worshiping the Lord just saying, I can't believe he's done. It's quarter to 12. But do you hear me this morning? Do we really know how great our God is? I'm not talking about any stereotypes. I'm not talking about some new fad, some formula, friends. I'm just talking about being the people who really believe that our God is great, who really believe that our God lives within us, who really believe that wherever we go, that we really do carry the kingdom with us. And if we will just be strong and courageous and step out when the Lord is prompting us, whatever the need may be, it may be as something as simple as baking a pie for my neighbor. It could be something as simple as someone going away and mowing the lawn for them. It could be something as simple as sitting at Dairy Queen and eating four or five Sundays before you have the courage to pray for that person with the leg brace. You know, but to be a people to say, Lord, I don't want to be a coward. I don't want to be a coward. I want to be strong. I want to be courageous. I want to see the things that you want to do and the way that you want to touch people through me. I want you to think about this for a moment as we just get ready to close in the song. But friends, for those of us who've been in the church for a long time, you know, we've been through all the personal evangelism courses. They're wonderful because you need to talk about Christ and know how to do that. But the Lord also said these signs will follow those who believe. And my heart is just saying, Lord, I just, I just want to see that. I, I want to I be the person I need to be for you to work through. This is not, again, some kind of formula thing. But I want to be a person who really believes that you live in me. And if you do live in me and you're mighty, that you can do some mighty things. You can do some pretty cool things. Because, you know, it's one thing for us to, you know, try to be that witness and, and, and try to be a nice Christian neighbor and all that kind of stuff. But there also comes times when you just got to step out. 
Because we live in a day today where the Lord loves people and the Lord wants to show himself strong in people. I mean, wasn't that kind of a wonderful thing to see? Like 25, 30 young men who would not give you the time of the day. If you were to stand there with a track, <laughs> if you were to stand there with a poster or to stand there and say, hey, we have church tonight, you want to come to our service? But to really understand as the people of God that we bring the kingdom with us. And wherever we are, we can walk in. If there's need, we can step out. And in Jesus' name, we can minister. And you know what? Even if nothing did happen, people are blown away by the fact that you would even just pray for them. That you would just care. Because what I find most times when you pray for somebody, they don't expect anything to happen. You hear me? They don't expect anything. But they're blown away when God does something. And sometimes all the Lord may do is just love on them. I prayed for this one lady. Uh, the Lord did heal her, but I, I prayed for her. But she was just she was a, a housekeeper, a, a Mexican lady in, in the, the hotel we were staying in. And it just, I just almost began to cry because it wasn't just that the Lord healed her, but as I was praying for her, she didn't want to open her eyes because she could just feel the Holy Spirit over her. She could just feel this love that she hadn't felt before washing over her and over. And she was excited that she was healed, but she had never felt that before. That's powerful. Just the presence of God in the life of somebody who doesn't know the Lord at all. He says, you're carrying that. You carry the kingdom with you. You carry heaven with you. And my heart's desire this morning, really, I, I don't have a you know, follow-up plan or, or strategy or, or here's what we're going to do this week now after I preach this message. I, I just want to put this word out here this morning. And just say, is there something stirring in your heart that just says, God is great, and he's strong. I just want to know how strong he is, and I want him to be strong in me. Not just in miracles, but just the way I live my life, just a life that honors him, that doesn't give in to the devil, that doesn't do the things everybody else does, who doesn't know the Lord, that actually shows that I know Jesus, and it makes a difference in my life. I want to be strong because my God is strong. I don't want to be a coward. I don't want to shrink back. Will you stand with me? I'm going to ask the ministry team to come as we dismiss, and, and uh, we just have some people, if you're visiting, we just have some people that are here, and at the end of the service, if you just want to receive prayer, it may be for healing your body. You may be here this morning and say, I don't know Jesus, but I want to know him. You just come on up and talk to one of these folks. They'll show you how to know the Lord. Whatever your need may be, you may stand in for somebody else, some need they have. We just invite you to come and receive ministry, receive prayer this morning. But I'm going to ask Pastor Kristen just to close us off in the song. I don't even know what song to go with. I, I like both of them. I'll let you pick. Our God is mighty. Our God, you're higher than any other. But we can also do the, uh, let's do the one we did before the message. Can we do that? Yeah, we'll do that one again. Amen. So we're just going to sing this song. And uh, as we do, before you slip out, would you just allow, especially what a powerful name it is. I love that verse. But would you just allow the Holy Spirit to kind of lock this into your heart this morning? Don't just skip out, you know, hey, we're going to beat the Baptists. It's 10 to 12. We can get the Swiss. You know, don't be in a hurry in that sense. Just, can you just linger for a minute and just say, Lord, would you just really register this in my heart this morning? Your name is powerful. You are great uh, before you leave this morning. But if you have a need, we want to pray with you as well. The Lord bless you. Let's just worship the Lord for a moment. If you need to slip out, you are dismissed. And even as we worship, feel free when the time is, when you feel appropriate, just slip out. We're just going to worship the Lord. Can we exalt the Lord this morning? And maybe what you just need is just a fresh, yeah, we're going to sing. Maybe you just need a fresh fullness of the Holy Spirit. Because there's nothing I can say to convince you, but just one touch of the Spirit of God can just free you from all the junk, all the stuff you give yourself to that's a waste of time. He can just set you free. And he can just give you new goals, new drives, new desires, a new ministry 
You just say, Lord, you're great. Be great in me this morning. Amen. God bless you.